So, yeah, we gathered here in the 919 where we take our time, sit back, relax as they spit their facts. Trust me, you be coming back. Got my man Max Weezy, keeping everything on track. For sports to pop culture, matter where you at. iPhone to Android, you can play it back. DJ Relevant on the ones and twos can bring a smile to your day. If you feeling blue, true, we in the 919. What you gon' do? Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. 919 at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Number nine at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Let's rock, we at the barbershop. Stay tuned. Hey, this your man Max Weezy. Live from the 919. Virtually, I got my man David DJ Raul here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, inside the barbershop, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, man, it's a pleasure, Max, man. I'm, I'm glad to be a part of everything you're doing, man. I love the movement. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, welcome inside the barbershop, buddy. I know for for most of us, being inside of a, a real barbershop is hard to come by in these uh, coronavirus conditions, but uh, yeah. I thank you for jumping on the, the podcast version of the barbershop, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still, um, yeah, I'm still trying to get that cut, man. Still, yeah. <laughs> I was able to get one shape up a, a couple of weeks ago, but it's it's been hard to get to get back, man. With everything now, and North, I know you're you're based in South Carolina, right? Are you are you still in Charlotte? No, no, no. I'm actually in Atlanta. I'm you're actually, in Atlanta. Uh, okay, okay. But I'm from South Carolina. Okay, yeah, I know you're from South. Carolina. Gotcha, gotcha. So you're in Atlanta. So yeah, I know Atlanta's open, been more open because uh, me and the wife were actually just in Atlanta, but. Um, Congratulations uh, on that, by the way. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we were just in Atlanta, but, and I know things are a lot more open, but in North Carolina, things have actually scaled back, so it's kind of been harder to, to do the type of thing. But um, but anyway, um, thanks so much again for, for coming on. And I, I have a lot of things, and you do a lot, and I'm not even going to just like read off like, all the stuff that you're kind of involved in. I'm just going to, we're just going to have this conversation. People will find out, but man, DJ for just for my audience, man, DJs, you've been involved in a lot of different things in, in the past few years. And, you know, like everyone else, like a young person, especially a young black man, just trying to find yourself and find your place in the world. And I find your story very interesting. The first question I have for you though, because right. it's in your Instagram bio, I got to ask you this. Uh, you said you said you say you're a personality expert. What is what exactly? Is that? <laughs> oh my goodness, a personality ex- expert. That 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 just means that you you know you're like water. You know, what I mean, water's water forms to any any type of uh, uh, mode that it's it's in. You know, it flows it flows wherever it, it's supposed to flow. So you know, at any time, any place, you can put me in any type of atmosphere, and I'm just gonna flow. Basically, so, like the Bruce Lee philosophy. Just like the Bruce Lee, <laughs> just like him. Nice. Uh, so, I want to start off by you know where you and I sort of connect is we both went to Queens University of Charlotte. We both interned um, for the Ryan Seacrest Foundation, and that was I talk about all the time how great of an experience that was, and I'm sure you can relate. But yeah, no, it was it was really great. But I want to kind of take take the audience to after that you. Um, through that, through that ex- opportunity, you're able to tour with Low Cash, uh, a country act, and uh, so just I wanted you to get a chance to describe just like that experience, you know, being behind the scenes with, uh, you know, not only just like in in the music business but country music. Like, what was that experience like, and what did that teach you? 
Oh, it was phenomenal, man. You know, um, just being able to to uproot and and move and finish school online, but to 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 uproot and live on a tour bus. Um, a lot of people don't know that uh, that tour life is is uh, it's it's a real deal. It's rough. You know, you spend most of your year on a bus, and those guys become your family. You know, Low Cash does about 250 shows a year. That's insane. Yeah, right. there's only 365 days. Right. So, <laughs> you know, you do a show, um, you're there all day, and at night you pack up your stuff, you get on the road, and you go to the next place, you know? There's not even, there's been times we would book hotels and never see the hotel, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it, it, was a, it was a terrific experience going, being out on the road, meeting so many people, seeing how, how you know, seeing how you interact with fans and, and seeing that, you know, my biggest thing with Locast is I love the way that they interacted with fans. I love the way that they made every fan feel special. Like everyone felt like they known them, like they knew them individually. And uh, they're rock stars, man. Uh, brought me on like a like a little brother. I see them as big brothers. We still we still talk to this very day, um, and they're very much uh, involved in everything that I do. They always, you know, they always look out. So they they're, they're great guys. Did you ever feel out of place in that in the country music environment though? Because like to be honest, like you know, in the black community, like a lot of us like don't really listen to country. So like, is is people sometimes feel like it's, there's a separation? You know, like white and black. Did you ever feel out of place there? Oh man, this is real barbershop talk, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yes sir. <laughs> you serious? I mean, yeah, just just curious. I mean, yeah, no, yeah, seriously. A lot of people uh, were curious about that, you know, because. Uh, we don't, as a culture, uh, primarily uh, latch on to country music. I was one of them. I knew a few country songs, but they were the ones that pop that crossed over to like major pop, you know. Right. Um, so going there, it was it was different because you know I wasn't a fan of the music. You know, I wasn't. Uh, I enjoy. I, I uh, it was like an acquired taste. I began to enjoy it and learn how to love it and appreciate it. But it was very much different, and you know, being the only black guy on a, in a you know, all the time, usually in the country atmosphere, it's a, it's a bit different, you know. You know, you get you get the you get certain looks, you get certain eyes on you. But it was, uh, you know, low cash were were very embracing. You know, mm-hmm. they made that transition fairly easy. Yeah, uh, I think I had a different experience because those guys were uh, they were phenomenal. You know. Right, and and that's something I, I was just curious because I mean you mentioned they treated you like family, and I and I've heard just uh, from you know being in the the Ryan Seacrest internship, like a lot of us, we got to meet a lot of different um, you know musical acts, and something that uh, that I kind of got from just meeting pe- people from different types of uh, musical backgrounds, but also just what I was told was that country as a as an industry is a little bit more family oriented. They all sort of know each other. It's it's based in Nashville, which which is um city. the hub and it's it's a it's a it's a great city, but it's also kind of feels like a small town. So I just uh, was just curious about the intersection of, of that. But um yeah and, and just in in that experience too, like how did you because that that also led to other things for you. I know that I was just on your website and I was reading that 
that also led you to uh to the to the pacers you were able to uh you know play you were able to try out and you were able to like meet right yeah. some of the players and stuff so being and 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 i'm jumping ahead a little bit but you're you're acting now so being behind the scenes for those years in the, in the music industry you're acting you you've experienced both collegially and somewhat professionally the basketball world what of those three industries would you what would you say probably is the hardest to succeed in uh of the music the basketball and the acting yeah uh by far i'm gonna say is probably it i think they're all the same man they're all the same um and Max, I say that that's a hard question to answer because I say that because they all require the same things. Consistency, hard work. There's some there's some talents that some people have that you will never have. You know, some people like, you know, Zion. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you know, no matter what, no one's going to be able to, you know, that's God given that he can jump that high. You know what I'm saying? Right. You could be the same build, the same body, but, you know, you can't teach what he has. So yeah. that's a bit of, you know, something that, you know, you kind of get, get lucky to have. But all of them take consistency. All of them take persistence. All of them say a lot. Of, there's a lot of no's before you get a yes. Um, uh, right now, I'll say the, the toughest one is probably uh, is the acting world because it's so it's such a small world in the acting world. Everybody connects full circle, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just tough to get into. And yeah. it's tough to stay relevant in it. Absolutely. Well, I definitely want to come back to the acting part, but I want to just on the basketball side of things and being in, you know, again, being your experience, what it was, you kind of understand what it's like to be kind of like trying out, trying to make it a team professionally and sort of being in the, in the swing of things between like college and professional. Mm-hmm. How do you think with the current pandemic going on, how do you think it affects the players who aren't superstars like LeBron, who's got a gym in his backyard, he's got a basketball court in his backyard and he can work out and, and work on his game. Those players that are, are trying to make it maybe they uh you know on the bench they don't have like the superstar salary they, or or even like G League players like in 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 your mind or maybe just in, from your experience or just from from players that you might know and stuff uh what do you th- how do you think that they're how in your what if you were in that place first of all how would you go about handling it and how do you what do you think they're going through um trying to navigate this pandemic but also all trying to stay afloat in the in you know basketball right well uh if i if it, if it were me and i wasn't on a lebron status I tried to be in the gym, taking advantage of all this downtime that everybody's not doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The way they get in the gym and just stay there to be getting better and better and better because a lot of people aren't in the gym uh, right now for several reasons. You know, they can't really compete, but because they're not allowing them to get too too close. And if right. they are now, just pass. You know, so they can practice. But it's definitely going to hurt a lot of players, and it's already hurt tons of players. You know, opportunities. You know, some people were on the brinks of getting to the NBA from the G League. Right. And that's completely wiped away now. You know what I'm saying? Everything right. is like it's a reset button for everybody. So it's, it, it does kind of suck, but you got to make the most of it. You know, it's right. like, you know, everything, it's like starting over. You know, you got to be prepared to, you know, if it all goes away today, you got to be prepared to, uh, you know, pick up the pieces and make something new. You know, after the Pacers opportunity, though, was it hard for you to give up basketball? Like, was that a hard? Oh. Man, 
Oh my gosh! You know, any athlete, it's so tough to divorce basketball. You know, yeah. And when you when you're only known as a basketball player, and you've been put on this pedestal, and people look at you a certain way as just an athlete, it's it's tough to you know to find a new identity. So it was it was extremely. Um, I thought it was already done, but when um, I was with Low Cash, we well, one of the guys is from. Indiana, so mm-hmm. we would go and actually play with the Pacers after the shows, like you know, right. practice and you know, right. and what they just like, oh man, this guy looks like he actually, you know, he he ain't he's not an amateur. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, it it led from there, and there was an opportunity after Paul Paul George left to mm-hmm. uh, fill some spots, and mm-hmm. uh, and we went from there. But it was seriously, it was. You know, to have another chance was exciting, but uh, you know, to to have to go through the process of letting it back to go again to for, uh, for me it was a little relieving because it was like you know I'm time it's time to to move on you know and pass it along to others my knowledge and the experience that I've had but yeah it's just tough it's tough to let it go. Well, now that you know that tra- so you made that transition from you were. You know, behind the scenes with low cash, you you try the basketball thing out. And now you're you're acting. Um, you, I know. Correct me, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at least I saw that you had did a project with uh, Darius McCary. Is that? Am I right? Okay. Darius yeah. Kelly Williams. Uh, they both uh, Kelly played Laura Winslow from Family Matters. Yes. Darius played uh, Eddie Winslow, yeah. and also um, Sean. Uh, was our acting coach and he played Waldo. Yeah, Family Matters is so slept on. I, I'm not even gonna talk about it. I watched, I watched the Family Matters reruns when I was younger, but I also watched it again on Hulu from start to finish. Mm-hmm. You know, a phenomenal show. Does you know does not get enough love because I mean that that period of time. There's a lot. I mean, I give credit to Martin and Fresh Prince and all that, and and they right. all deserve. You know credit but i think family matters is, was a phenomenal show but um how do like work from working with with them because obviously they had experience great actors great experience on a, on a right. great tv show what did that experience teach you it was very it, it, it's very humbling um especially to see them so down to earth and um you know Going from where, you know, transitioning from basketball to music and then getting into acting and, uh, you know, a lot of people wait years before they can get a, you know, an extra role. And here I am. I landed a leading role in the Mm -hmm. film. I took that opportunity to just absorb all the information as possible. You know, I asked several questions. I was just a sponge on the wall. and it just, you know, just just taught me to just be open to, to to new things and and just and just listen, just you know, I don't. It's 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 a it's a it's a terrific experience. You know, you see Kelly, you know, she's she's one of your idols, or you know, if you if you love, you know, we love Family Matters. So like yeah. you said, I'll watch yeah. it start to end too. Yeah. Uh, but to have them embrace you and. Uh, and uh, appreciate your your craft and appreciate what you're you know the art that you're giving them. It, it's it's a it's a very humbling experience. And I guess I should have asked this first, but how did you even get this oppor- that opportunity to be in that film? Well, the yeah. thing is, when I when I auditioned um, for it, I was I, I was uh, the writer saw ran across my um, 
my Instagram page. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was actually looking for someone to fill a role. And she just knew she wanted a certain look mm-hmm. and a certain uh, a certain build, a certain, I guess, uh, suave, if yeah. you will, a certain yeah. swag. Yeah. And, uh, I went to school with her younger sister and she was like, you know what? You should you should reach out to uh, DJ Ryle or just check out his uh, his page. And when she saw the page, she said she she enjoyed she really thought that I might I may fit the build for that character. But before all of this happened, you know, this was just a, you know, a very small independent film. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't you know, there was no Kelly. There was no mm-hmm. Derry. There was no Family Matters. This was just, a, you know, you know, just something for your real. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how quick things can snowball. So once I did the audition, um, we went forward, and it maybe, maybe like two months went by, and I thought, uh, maybe they're not going to do the film. Maybe they didn't get the funds or something. And uh, when I got that second call, it was saying that uh, they were going to be uh, involved in the film. So, uh, and after I did two or three more auditions for the, you know, to get the part, it, it worked out, you know. That, did they, were you able to kind of get any, because again, these are, you know, just working with, you know, Kelly and Darius alone is, was, was huge for you, I'm sure. But just any like tidbits from them, not only just as an actor, but like as a, as a black man trying to navigate. Now you, you've navigated, you know, basketball, you've navigated music somewhere and now you're in, you're in acting. Um, and being, navigating those three things are, completely different in themselves I'm sure but now you're uh, especially as a black man trying to navigate I guess Hollywood um, how, did they give you any tidbits about that specifically or, or what was that sort of environment like and in, in just learning just how to learning from them on how to be, progress professionally um, as a black man in Hollywood I know that um, uh, Darius was telling me about or was teaching me about energy and um, yeah important it is to uh to preserve your energy you know um and and sean as well this was something and they didn't say this uh together they said yeah. individually because i'm i'm a hot i'm a big personality i'm always laughing i'm always joking i'm doing i'm keeping the room filled with energy however that energy is t- being taken away from me right. by day three or day four of filming like i'm like completely exhausted you know what i mean because right. i'm in my face they have to apply heavier makeup because i'm yeah, <laughs> out of it. I've been giving energy all, and I'm the only one doing this. No one else is doing it. And then they finally said something individually. Hey, you are uh, you're gonna have to learn how to balance that energy because you're not gonna have anything left for you. You gotta, you know, you don't have to calm it down, but you want, might want to take it into consideration. So the energy and is uh, it's one thing that they they taught me about, and it was well needed because they had. I mean, Darius had so much energy. And I mean, his this guy would be on the phone, uh, three way calls, FaceTiming on his other other call, and his men, the minute they say action, he's like remarkable. Like it, it was, you know, insane. He's, I mean, he's ridiculous on that acting thing. Uh, uh, and also treating people, just treating treating people right, because it's so so small that networking and just making that those uh, relationships. Think about it, you know. Look at you and I. You, you know, we hadn't seen each other since college, but it was just a quick inbox, and it was like, you know, 
Absolutely, Max. You right. know what I'm saying? You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's relationship. That's that's networking. But had you treated me some type of way, maybe I wouldn't have even responded. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right, so right. that's huge. Because who's to say I wouldn't, you know, blow up uh, tomorrow and, you know, you're the one that gets the exclusive on it. You know what I'm saying? Because right. you have my personal information, you can reach right out to me. So it's not going to be a problem at all. Right. And then what is, what kind of influenced your decision to just move to Atlanta? I'm just just curious because people now are I mean for years people have been calling it like Black Hollywood, Black Hollywood, and all that stuff. But now it seems like even just Hollywood in general, like we saw like Marvel, a lot of the Marvel films like Black Panther and Avengers and stuff got filmed in Atlanta, and a lot of Hollywood's moving to Atlanta. Like was was the acting component part of your decision to move to Atlanta, or was it business, or, what, or just out of curiosity, like what kind of played into that? The opportunity, yeah. the opportunity. You know, you can make you can make money any uh, anywhere if you know uh, you put some, you know, a plan to what you're doing. But the opportunity sometimes, like you may have that one chance to get a role that you just need to be like. But I need you here in an hour. Right. Do that from North Carolina or South Carolina. Yeah. You need to be there and try to beat that Atlanta traffic. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So, after yeah. that, you know, it's just going to go to the next person. And opportunity happens just like that with, uh, with with a lot of these acting gigs, you know. I remember I was looking at a, I was watching the interview on like Michael B. Jordan when he was doing, uh, I think, Fruit, uh, is it Fruitville Station? Yeah, Fruitville Station is the name. Okay. Yep. And uh, that was his first leading role. He wanted to see if he could carry a film. And you can look this up, you can YouTube it, anybody who's listening. And he says that the uh, director... Uh, he ended up having a relationship with and he liked the director so much that the uh, director asked him if he could um, if he could uh, if he could go and do Creed because the director already had the movie for Creed so he really didn't even audition mm -hmm. they loved yeah. it so much from Fruitville, uh, Fruitville Station that they went and did the audition like they didn't I mean, no, they said hey man we got another one another movie coming up would you be interested in playing Creed's son Right. And yeah, the, that director also directed Black Panther and Michael B. Jordan got that role as well as the as Killmonger and Black Panther. So, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, and we already see a lot of, just kind of staying in the Hollywood lane, but also changing the subjects a little bit. We've, we've kind of seen a lot of things change as a result of the Black Lives Matter movement sort of like reigniting because of, unfortunately, the, the deaths of, you know, George Floyd and, you know, Breonna Taylor and things like that. And we kind of, we've seen people now, like, again, where black people are, are in the street, but not but just black people, but, you know, everyone sort of is kind of coming together in the streets, demanding police reform, demanding all these other things. And it's now caused businesses and in some aspects Hollywood to take a look at what's going on. So from your perspective and this, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but just, you know, whatever you, whatever you think, it's no big deal. But do you think that uh, Hollywood will start to make changes or start to see change because of the current climate we're in and, and with the Black Lives Matter protests and everything like that? I, I, I think they're going to be forced to, to, to give us a, uh more opportunity now I, I think that yeah. it, it's been exposed and revealed of all the uh, you know the the balance of it that it's not been so fair right 
and uh, we're having more of a voice now to make things happen. So I'm I'm, I'm excited that we, that more people will get more roles and bigger roles in the uh, in the Hollywood field. Not only just Black Hollywood, but Hollywood. Period. Right. I think a lot of the you know what's happening now is is very purposeful, and it's a movement. It is a movement, and yeah. now we're gonna get some opportunities uh, as a uh, you know as 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 blacks as as uh, as um, Asians as any, anybody anybody of color you know mm-hmm. everybody's gonna get more opportunities and as they should you know it shouldn't be based on uh, your, the color of your skin. Yeah, yeah. and do you do you feel like because of what's been happening a lot more recently in the past couple of days, a lot of white, and this is just in the voice act, in the animated world, but a lot of white voice actors who were voicing black characters are stepping down from those roles and they're saying, you know what, black people should be voicing black characters in, you know, Family Guy and all these animated shows or whatever. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think that's like... I think... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think... I think that if the person is actually good enough to do it, why not? But if it's just like you're throwing them out there and they're not really, you know, great at it and you need a a black guy to do it, then you should probably look for a black guy who fits the description. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're doing a biopic, um, I may be, I, you know, Denzel Washington may be probably the greatest, you know, one of the greatest actors, but he's not going to be even in consideration to play Biggie Smalls because right. Biggie Smalls is 6'3 and 300 pounds. You know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> so why would you, you know, he doesn't really fit the description. I think that, I think that, you know, the person that should do the voiceovers for the black should fit the bill of the description, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think as long as I think for, and I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like people feel like as long as it's not, um, like stereotypical or or you know racist or rude or whatever, then like I don't think anybody's ever even thought about it that much. I think what's kind of alarming for people is that Hollywood or these these uh, casting directors or whatever weren't trying to cast black people in the first place mm-hmm. <laughs> with these characters, and now it's like. Okay, like what the, you were kind of seeing the issue now, like you were talking about opportunities. These opportunities in the first place probably should have been given to black people, but I, we're kind of seeing now that Hollywood's already start starting to look at things differently. Like, okay, like maybe we need to be more sensitive to the characters that we portray and who's portraying them. But I also agree with you. I think having the right fit is is important too. Um, best example is. Darth Vader is technically a white man, but James Earl Jones was the voice of Darth Vader, and, and he, but he fit the bill. He killed he it. Fit, yeah, and it was the perfect, the perfect thing. He, you know, James Earl Joyce's James Earl Jones, one of the greatest voices ever, mankind. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I mean Morgan Freeman. Yeah, Morgan Freeman as well. So, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. But um, just kind of going looking at sort of like what you're doing in the community now uh you know a lot of black kids and and i include myself in this and and i'm sure you can relate as well we kind of grew up with this mentality that it's either entertainment or professional sports and it sucks. it's our only avenue of success 
How, what do you what are you trying to do now to, to change that as you work with kids and everything like that? Do you still see that? So that and that's one of the reasons I started my foundation because yes. some of those things everybody's not going to be an entertainment star. Everybody's not going to be a sports star. Some of them will, but what about what about that that percentage of kids that will not? So we started my foundation to advocate uh, um, academic success and teach our kids lifelong skills. You know. And through these skills, we use our leverage through basketball because, you know, I was known as a basketball player. And from my hometown, everybody knows me. And we do that to funnel in these kids, which last year we had 160 kids that are come to the camp free of charge. They get they're fed and they have transportation. And through our camp, we then funnel them into a reading program because everybody's not going to kids don't jump up to say, yay, we want to go to a reading program. No. <laughs> just right. a few, you know what I'm saying? Just a few, yeah. but not 160. Right. Uh, and that's growing. So we do this and we do basketball and we, we, you know, we promote fun, but we do this only to captivate their attention. And once we have their attention, we then reveal to them what we, what we think is necessary for them to, to, you know, evolve in life and to, and to have and be successful such as reading and handling, um, anxiety, how to, how to deal with peer pressure, um, and other things like uh, teamwork, how important it is to utilize your team members. If one person isn't doing well, how do you how do you help them if they're a part of you to bring them up to your level or balance them out? Because it's, that's life, working with others. So basketball teaches so much, and and uh, this is just the, one of our programs. But it's 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 impacting so many people and so many of these kids and these influences, and it just uh, it's been it's been a whirlwind. But we've had a ton of a ton of success with it, a ton of fun, and we're happy. Well, and what was the thing that kind of got you started, like working with kids? Like what what you're again trying to figure out your own career, and you're kind of still on your trajectory. But what was the thing that that made you say, hey, I need to like start helping out a little bit in, in my community and really getting to the, the youth and everything like that. Uh, definitely. I had mentors in my life that, that, that taught me a lot, helped me a lot and helped, uh, helped my mental and my psyche early that I was a little ahead of the game. Mm. And then when basketball uh, was, it was, I, the writing was on the wall that basketball was coming to an end. Mm. I was like, I, I, how do I pass this knowledge and information on? so that someone can have it earlier than what I had it. Because I'm pretty sure if I would have had it just a few, maybe a year or two earlier than what I actually, when I actually got at, got exposed to that knowledge, mm. probably could have made even bigger waves. So let's begin that process now with kids starting from six to 17 with my foundation. And everything we do is completely free so that no one has to worry about any type of, you know, you know, kids having to pay, their parents having to find money. Mm. We, is uh yearly and we get sponsors yearly so that these kids can just worry just show up that's all we need you to do you know commit mm -hmm. to showing up and commit to uh being um accountable so well i'm gonna ask you this question in because i left out a component because i i've got some experience with uh like with people who have who've ran down province and stuff like that and i and i know uh, I, well, I can't say I know how hard it is, but from their experience telling me, <laughs> it's they've told me it's very difficult. So acting, uh, music, basketball, nonprofit. Which one is 
it's a, it, yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> Especially like going, you know, the nonprofit, you start off again at the bottom and then you have to, you know, you got to get all your paperwork, your 501c3, you know, you got to pay for your, you know, get the EIN numbers because you want to, you want to be, you want to show people that you're for real and you're serious about this and you're legit. And not only that, you can't just do it one year or one, one event, you know, and people just think it's just, uh, you know, one thing, you know, you just, it's going to fly over. But this is year five for us, and we've been having some tremendous uh, success. So we're uh, we're excited to continue going. It we started from the ground up, you know, uh, walking business to business, you know, uh, trying to get sponsorships for the kids, and and uh, you know, we document everything. And that documentation has been a huge key to showing people what their money go to, where their money goes, and uh, those smiles on those kids' faces. You can't, you know, you can't ignore. So. Well, please take a couple of minutes. Tell everybody uh, where they can like find out more if they want to help, if they want to donate, if they want to uh, volunteer. Just I'll let you just give us all that information because I definitely want people to know, uh, you know, what you're doing a lot. I see a lot of people are uh, supporting. You have merch. You you're, what you're doing is really cool. So just promote <laughs> whatever you need to tell my 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 audience, man. How do they, how can they help out? Listen, guys, if you guys want to go check out our website, it's djrowfoundation.org. Again, that's djrowfoundation.org. I'm wearing one of my shirts, guys. If you guys want to purchase a shirt, go to our website. You guys want to donate, you can go to the website. You can uh, meet our team. You guys can send in emails, uh, sign up for newsletters, uh, everything that you're thinking about. You guys can find us on social media. Uh, you can find me on social media at Rock'em Nation. Um, we've got a lot of things going on. So if you guys want to even volunteer, you guys want to be a part of our foundation, please reach out. Don't hesitate. Uh, you can find us. You can email me at djrylefoundation.org. You got mugs, I think, too. I saw on the, on the yeah, site. Um, <laughs> we got everyone needs everyone needs a mug, man. Go get your mug. <laughs> a mug. Some, we've even got a. We've even got wine glasses for those who want to drink apple juice out of their wine glass yeah. and be uh, be fancy or something. So. We got a little bit of everything, and we yeah. we uh, also give personalized notes to each one of our sponsors, each one of you know our volunteers. We appreciate any any uh, anybody who uh, gives us uh, any type of thought, you know, concern, and we appreciate it. Yeah, well, DJ man, thank you so much for for sharing that. Thank you so much for doing this. It's already this time is flying by. It's crazy. <laughs> it's <laughs> but we, we get busy. You already know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to definitely let you. Go ahead. I know you got a busy schedule, man. I'll, I'll let you get back to it. But thank you so much for coming, um, being on the show, coming inside the barbershop. I'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely have to chop it up soon. And, and I, you know, applaud what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep grinding. And, and uh, you know, I know that you'll be successful because you're one of the hardest working people I've ever met. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. you, man. Yeah, we gotta definitely link up for another one. Seriously, we'll we'll have more time to talk about you know to go more in depth about some of these, uh, some of the acting and some of the you know some of the more the fun stuff people want to know and yeah. uh, coming yeah. in you know coming in as a fan you know trying to distinguish yeah. yourself from okay you got to come with it and be an actor and not be a you know so yeah you definitely have to. Yeah, for sure. And, and your film, that, is that film, I know with COVID and everything, things have kind of been delayed, but is that already on schedule to come? Does that have a scheduled release date or? It, it's, it's, a, it, it's, 
It's supposedly releasing in December. Okay. Um, it was supposed to release in July because it's a Christmas film, but COVID uh-huh. did. Yeah. COVID did uh, uh, slow uh, the process down. Um, there, I, there's a, a few um, distributors which I can't quite name, but there right. should be. I think everybody will be able to not only stream it, but they'll be able to check it out on TV as well. So cool. I'm looking forward to everybody seeing it. I'm looking forward to you checking it out. Let me know. What yes, you sir. Think. I'll get to play. Uh, uh, Kelly's son is going to be awesome, and Darius his nephew. It's, nice. it's, it's just it's a feel good film. It's a feel. It's real. It's 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 cheesy. The women, the girls are going to like it if they like the the romance and people. Are <laughs> yeah, it's going to be good. Nice, man. Well, man, keep doing your thing. We're looking forward to it. You're right down the street from Tyler Perry, man. So we're good. I know if, if, if this blows up, man, the next thing is coming for you, man. And again, we appreciate, I appreciate, you know, myself from just from knowing you, man. It's really cool to see that you're still doing well. And for my audience, I know they appreciated this and we'll definitely have you back, bro. I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> Do it soon, okay? All right. Sounds good, man. Have a good rest of your weekend, dude. YouTube brother. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Let's rock me at the barbershop. Stay tuned. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode of The Barbershop. Keep showing us love. We appreciate it. Go ahead and rate and review this podcast and also share on social media and tell your friends about us. And if you're feeling generous, there's a link in the description to become a monthly subscriber. You can do it for as little as 99 cents and you can support this podcast and help us to grow and to glow. We appreciate all the love. We'll see you next time here at The Barbershop. Stay tuned.